welcome to another episode of Three Men and a War Game. I'm Paul, and I still want to get that rake in the lake. <laughs> I am uh, I am Chops, uh, aka Kevin, and I am painting a dude with a giant bam fist. And this is Potter, and I am widely unprepared for tonight. We all are. We all are. Yeah. I think I come every episode unprepared, though. Yeah, but you see, if you stop saying that, nobody will know. Not supposed to tell that. Yeah, I know. But now they know. It's supposed to be your, supposed to be your trade secret. It isn't. I'm not good at keeping secrets. Well, darn. Uh, uh, Snape kills Dumbledore, by the way. What? Bro. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert. You put the uh, put the, put it in the title. Spoilers. <laughs> Darth Vader is Luke's father. Um, no. I don't know. I don't believe I don't that. I don't know what other spoilers I can give. You don't believe it? Nope. Oh, uh, true. Kylo Ren. It's impossible. Is the, Kylo, Kylo Ren is the son of uh, Leia and uh, Han Solo. There's a, there's another spoiler for you. Is that a spoiler? I thought they talk about that right away. And, and yeah, they talk about it. Pretty, they talk, it's pretty pretty early in the movie. And Ray is a Skywalker. Oh, oh God! <laughs> you've got you've got the fans triggered already. Uh oh, uh oh. All I gotta say is uh, T minus thirteen days, and I will be in uh, Black Spire Outpost. Maybe I'll meet Ray, Kylo Ren. Chewbacca, we'll see. Yeah, I, that's that's half the fun of that. I think is seeing Chewbacca on the streets, not yeah. not as like a working woman, but uh, like just one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, and all. So so the so ABC did this whole like behind the scenes with Neil Patrick Harris hosting. Um, like, yeah, I missed behind. it. Well, it's on Hulu, so if you've got Hulu, you can watch it. So I watched it with my oh, okay. kids today because they were home from school, and um, I'm gonna tell you right now. Uh, the moment I look at the Millennium Falcon, I'm probably going to become a blubbering idiot and just break down and cry. Like, I, I already can feel it. Like, watching that, like, the emotions were already stirring because I know I'm going in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, this, the, the inner nerd in me is just going to lose it. I'm excited for you. I can't wait till you guys go so we can compare notes. Yeah, if you don't get emotional, I'll be disappointed. Oh, I'll... I'll if I don't get emotional, like I'm paying for surgery, laser surgery to have all my tattoos, Star Wars tattoos removed, like you know. So and well, and then apparently, so my parents watched it, and now, now my dad has signed up. I don't think he's doing the lightsaber thing. I think he's doing um, the droid thing for my mom. So awesome. my mom's building a droid, and I think, and Very I've I've got cool. my 925 reservations to build my lightsaber. Very, very, very cool, man. So it's gonna be excited fun. for it's you. It's gonna be fun. So, what are we talking about today, guys? Well, any any hobby progress for either of y'all? Oh, I'm uh, making steady progress on the Riot Quest miniatures. I've, uh, I've painted Gubbin and Sir Dreyfus, uh, uh-huh. as well as almost done with Balthazar Bamfist. I love it. Nice. What is what is is Balthazar Bamfist a dwarf? Is he the dwarf that we talked about? Yeah, he's the he's he's the Rulik one. Yep. Nice. So um so I've actually been uh, I sold some of my Sigmar models and the guy that I sold them to is uh asked me to to paint them up to look like the rest of them which is which is just base coats, 
but it's it's getting everything a consistent paint job. So I've been working on that for uh, for that guy, so that way he can wow. get his army going. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, it's just airbrushing, really. It's just basically getting the the base coat airbrushed on it, and then coming back in with the the highlight, and then it's done. It's maybe twenty models, twenty five models. He's paying me. I'm glad to help him out. Yeah, heck yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I've been working on that for him. I uh, finished my first squad of Germans. You're the bad guys. Germans. Yeah, man. Finished painting them up. They're ready to go. Uh, so now I'm building my uh, second squad. You should feel bad exciting. for playing the bad guys. Well, somebody's got to do it, right? Somebody's got to do it, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. You, you're playing with uh, Bob? Is that who you're playing with? Yeah, yep. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, and Brit's, Brit's using Japanese, but I don't know how well that's going to fit in against playing me, so... Oh, that's right. Uh, Brit plays this game, too. I forgot about that. Yeah. What doesn't Brit play? That's a valid statement. Yeah, so that's... I guess that's about... I don't know if it's just because we talked so recently, but it seems like we uh, aren't overly chatty on our hobby this week, huh? Yeah, I mean, I because mean, I know for me, outside of doing that for the for the guy at work, it's been actually quite busy at work and then i've also been playing well so because i'm a yeah. loser eh, nothing wrong with that you gotta, you gotta do what you want to do right yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean we've all we've all been there we've all done well so don't feel don't feel bad some of us have just done it a lot longer <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've, I've unfortunately some of us just, continue to a... do it this is one habit that I just cannot kick, but you know, having real life friends that still play it is probably the reason why. Yep. Yeah. Uh, if if Chops was still playing, I'd probably hop on occasionally and play with him. But luckily, well, I just talk to him damn, every Monday I guess night I'm just about miniatures. I guess I'm just chopped liver. <laughs> yeah, I see you all the fucking time, Chris. Uh, that's a. That's a valid statement. You do see me all the time. That is a valid statement. One friend playing, that's one thing. Couple friends playing, that's a whole other thing. We'll be, we'll we all need to just find a Switch game. Oh, Paul, you need a Switch. Yeah, it was like, I he need needs a Switch. Switch. Well, yeah. Well, you tell me. I just... Well, is, 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 uh, is the Goose multiplayer? I wish Untitled Goose game was multiplayer, but no. <laughs> yeah, let's see. There's, I mean, there's a, there's a ton coming out, too, so. And I think my, uh, I think my year, my subscription just renewed on the Switch, too. Yeah, for me it was like uh, it's uh, I'm playing uh, Link's Awakening. Nice. All right. Well, I gotta. I'll. I'll be. I'm looking into it. Don't worry. I'm looking into it. We'll right, see what right. happens. Best money you'll ever spend, man. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. But uh, speaking of money spent, let's start talking about some war games, huh? Yeah. The focus of the podcast, I guess, huh? Um, <laughs> yeah. So this week, we uh, we kind of want to talk about what you were talking about painting there, Paul, because. You've taken a turn toward the historicals. I mean, recently, you know, we look at your painting history, and it's uh, checkered with all sorts of fancy, you know, fantasy things and sci-fi things. And uh-huh. I know I've asked you about fantasy stuff in the past, and you've kind of turned your nose at it. Oh, so I'm a little historical. bit surprised. Oh yes, historical. Sorry. Uh, you know, we've, I, I've brought up historical and like also weird stuff, right? Like I've brought up some weird war too. And you've been like, you know, I just don't do historical stuff. I know. So I thought it would be interesting to pick your brain a little bit because I was not expecting the one turn for you to take would be toward historical gaming. Yeah. And towards like hard, fairly hardcore, uh, historical gaming as well. 
that's that's the other part that's interesting about it, right? Because it's not like just bolt action; it's chain mm-hmm. of command, which is super, super, duper historically accurate comparatively. Sure. I haven't gotten too far into the bolt action rule set, but basically everybody that I talk to that plays chain of command is like, yeah, we play bolt action when we just want to use all our stuff at once. Yeah, I mean the thing about bolt action, right, is it's written by Rick Priestley, who, while appropriately lauded as like a legendary tabletop game designer, he's not exactly known for his like over the top realism, you know? Right. Exactly. And that's what uh that's what Chain of Command does. And and so I guess I guess let me give you the background on how I ended up um, suddenly playing or at least preparing to play this game because I'm trying to not play anything for it unpainted, I guess, because it would feel kind of weird. And and I'll go into a little more of, of why I feel that way. But so so okay. so so the background on this. All right. I'm a, I'm a history guy. Uh, that's that's what I majored in in school. Uh, fascinated with, you know, basically every major war in our, our history. Uh, that shit's interesting. Aubrey and I, well, I guess even before that, a while back, I was watching stuff on YouTube for different games. And I think it was when I was watching on tabletop and they were doing Wild West Exodus. And, it, you know, when you don't go all the way through or when you don't stop the videos, they'll just start playing new stuff. And they started playing this World War II game. Uh, chain of command and i'd seen it and the mechanics of the game were absolutely fascinating to me just because they seemed to function so differently and basically the thing that really caught my eye off the bat was that it eliminated that need for the turn one where you just put all your stuff on your side of the table and then you march forward and right. nothing really happens turn one so i thought that was really neat so that was kind of my first introduction to that and i was like oh that's cool but you know it's historical i'm not gonna play that i kind of had this I, I kind of always had this thing of like world war ii and all these uh major wars are like real things so it kind of seems trivial to take people's real horrific experiences and turn it into something like fun i, I mean it's, it does it seems a little a little weird I, for sure i can I, see uh, that point. I yeah concede that point yeah and 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 some of it's some of it's a holdover from the the plethora of World War II video games that were just like one guy running through D-Day shooting everybody up kind of thing. And so that kind of held over to me a little bit, I think, on some of this. And that was kind of the turnoff for me is that I just couldn't get into I just couldn't get in. I just couldn't get beyond that of, of it felt disrespectful to me. So moving moving the story along a little bit. Aubrey and I were looking for something to watch on TV, and we ended up going back through Bands of Brothers, uh, which we hadn't watched in a long time. And so watching uh-huh. that was kind of really interesting. And then somebody somewhere ended up bringing up Chain of Command again, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's that World War II game that I thought looked pretty interesting. I went back and started looking at it again and started looking into it. And what kind of turned me around on it was the level of respect they treat it with and as far as the the accuracy and uh i don't, I don't know it, it it just feels like it's done out of love as opposed to just trying to create something out of it you know what i mean I, I i don't know if i can get the exact words on there but it's like it's done out of love you mean you you feel you feel like they're they're treat 
Yeah, you you feel like they're treating the game with the respect that that era and those people that went through that those trials and tribulations like deserve, instead of it just being something like Modern Warfare. Like here's a game that we're gonna you know make set in this world because we know we can make money off it and people buy it. Like you're you feel like people are doing it because like they have respect for it, they have a, a, a genuine interest and want to show it in that kind of way. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Right that, there. That's exactly it. I mean, it's it's just like the fact that. You know, it's not like building a, a points, you know, and trying to min-max anything. It's like you have different types of squads that you take, and they are historically accurate based on the way the different armies fought and how their their armies were structured, which is fantastic. Like, to me, to me that's, that's part of what made it really good. And just kind of being able to watch a YouTube video of the game and be able to also translate it into what I was watching on on Band of Brothers and just being able to visualize that so quickly also really turned me on to the game and as you know Chris our, our friend Bob was getting back into gaming and with the, with the Song of Ice and Fire and I messaged him I said hey this is a cool World War II game are you interested and because he's a World War II buff and he used to be a paratrooper and uh, he was like yeah I'm in so I figured, uh, you know, he'd want to be the American, so I, I picked up the Germans. So this way we could, you know, bash heads. So it, it really is an... I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it, it was kind of a long journey, and it just amazes me how quickly it, it turned around for me, because once I, once I saw one that was loving... Yeah, I was like, you've gotten into it pretty quickly. I mean, you've, you've bought quite a few things. I mean, you've got, what, a couple units of Germans, you've got some tanks... Like you've you've pretty much gone pretty full bore into it. It seems like not only that. I mean, it's it's like consuming your hobby time. Like that's what you're painting. Everything yeah. I've seen out of your output has been toward getting chain of command up and running. And, and that's exactly it. Is that I I decided that when I was going to do this out of respect for the real people that went through this, I don't want to half ass it and play you know little gray plastic dudes. Yeah. So I'm making sure that everybody's painted, everybody's ready to go, everybody looks good. Um, you know, just, just cause to me on the inside, that makes me feel, you know, respectful of, of everything. In terms of like the historical accuracy and wanting to get in and play it, I'm, uh, I'm actually like mostly curious why you guys, and, and this, I, I get, and I don't want this to sound like a criticism cause it's not, I'm just cu- genuinely curious what made you guys go with 28 millimeter and warlord models, uh, as opposed to 15 mil um and you know maybe gone with like flames of war so right off the bat when i was talking to bob about it and because so so for people that don't know uh i don't even know if we've talked about it i guess chain of command is what we're what bob and i are focusing on playing it's a it's a role set put out by a couple guys in england called two fat lardies uh which props to them for their their company name because that's amazing yeah that's a yeah that's a great company's name (laughs) Uh, so it's minis agnostic, and the way they set it up, and the, the way they describe it in the beginning of the rulebook is that basically this game is is designed for minis from 15 mil to if you want to be absolutely historically accurate, the 15 mil is the right size uh, for for accurate measurements for the 12 inches equaling 40 yards or whatever. But they say right there in the book that 28 mil is uh, a little more exciting to look at on the table. So we went with with the 28 mil bolt action well at you know, the 28 mil in general because of wanting it to look a 
look exciting on the table. Uh, 15 mil is really tiny. Um, I did I did go over to one of the stores that carries a lot of Flames of War and and looked at some of the stuff and I mean it's small. I don't I don't. I'm know that I'm, I I'm not faulting your guys' choice at all. I was actually just curious about what made you choose. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it was honestly Once because because you know 15 to 28 worked and we wanted it to look cool, uh, not tiny. <laughs> Uh, the, and the other the other thing with yeah one of the other things with it as far as as using flames of war models is that for the most part chain of command you're removing individual models and I believe the infantry for flames of war is multiple models on a single base. It is multiple base, yeah. Yeah, so I mean I I mean you can use you can use markers and there's ways around it. So I mean it's not like it's it's gonna kill the game. So so it is playable. But yeah, so I mean, our, our decision was based on 28 works. Uh, it might be easier to find terrain. It's definitely easier to find model kits for like, you know, to make an airfield with, with model planes on it and stuff like that. Yeah, that's kind of why I was curious because like 15 mil World War II terrain is like ubiquitous and easy to find, right? And 28 mil, yeah. it's a little bit harder to fake uh, and get it up and running. But it sounds like you guys have a pretty solid uh plan in place to to get everything going well yeah i i went out the other day over to hobby lobby and actually picked up some stuff to start playing around with making a board i'm just like what the f that's insane that i'm because I, I i basically figured out uh, i have i have a plan to try and make multiple pieces that are modular uh so this way they can be put up in in different ways each time and possibly you know as i feel adventurous add on to it and, and sure. add to the repertoire so basically I'm, I'm gonna attempt to do it how you did the uh the eden boards that you made uh same idea but i'm going to experiment with using foam core board instead of mdf for weight reasons yeah makes sense yep. that's yeah that'll be easier to carry for and you. what i actually did was uh well you guys both have kids uh those uh tri foam boards that you use for like science fair projects those are mm -hmm. 36 by 48. Yep. So I figured what I can do is I can exacto knife off the foldable parts, and then I have a you know two foot by four foot section to be able to decorate, and then two one foot by four foot sections, and then I can change them up, switch them around. Cool. Um, so so yeah. So basically. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to do the Eden board and, and plaster it and then, you know, spray it. And I got some spray glues and some sprinkle flock. Uh, so I'll sprinkle some flock on it. And I bought some trees. And my goal with that is to put the uh, glue the trunk straight onto the board. And then I can, you know, pull them out and put them on as I need them or, you know, want them. Yep. So we'll see. That was kind of a... a, a bold step i think on my part to just jump in experimental yeah um but i think it'll i think it'll look good and that'll that'll be kind of fun and and be a good way to be able to do that the the only problem is going to be buildings um i think in the long run those might be harder to find but there are definitely some that you can get from from bolt action so i can say as a person who's uh who's built a lot of terrain and like oh. messed around with terrain just like experimenting and being bold and just taking some risks is the best thing you can do to be honest with you like um just because anything else you do you know like the the pre-built terrain all looks kind of meh mm -hmm. um 
and it, you know it's not necessarily the kind of paint job you'd want or the way you'd want something to to, to turn out so like building your own terrain is really rewarding um i don't know i'm just trying to say i applaud that choice well i'll let you know how it works i mean i'm, I'm a little nervous about the foam core um i'm hoping in the long run that it it works out well uh i guess i guess one of my concerns is that it might be too light and slide around too much on the table uh you know uh, in the grand scheme of things if i have mdf and need to transport it or move it around i don't and sorry how big did you say the boards are that you're actually going to play on are the the foam core like when you're setting up a full game how big is the terrain area going to be Oh, it's a it's a it's a six by four. Six by four. Yeah, I'd say the other thing you can look at too, right? And, and it's heavier, um, but you can get some um, pr- like cheap sheet cheap two by two um, foam core boards, right? At Home Depot for they're like, and you may have mentioned this, they're like four or five bucks a piece, right. um, and you need six of them. And then once you have six of them, you just go to town, um, and they're they're not much heavier than the foam core you have now. Uh, but they'll do a lot better job staying put on the table if this doesn't work, right? Right. Yep, pink. St- yeah, you exactly. talk about those pink, pink styrene styrene. sheets. That's. That's. Yeah, yeah. The the, and they should like Chop saying they should work because of the fact that they're textured, you know. So the, they've got well, something what you more do, to grab onto. What, when you're so what on you tables. do with them is, or what I what I do with them is, you get drywall spackle, um, and then you stipple drywall spackle on with one of those cheap like dollar paintbrushes that you can also get at Home Depot. Um, and then once the drywall spackle cures, you can actually use spray paint on it. You can't use spray paint before, right? Because accelerant uh, eats foam. Um, but once right. you, or propellant uh, eats foam, but once you um, once you have the base down and you actually put the, uh, the, the drywall filler um, on the, on the, uh, the, the foam, and it cures, you're good to go. And like, if you want to be really extra careful, you can put the drywall filler down and then cover it with a layer of PVA glue. Um, and even with all that done, you still haven't added a ton of weight. Uh, and it's cool because at that point you have six perfectly modular, uh, uh, two by two pieces, right? So you can do different things with the six of them and then line them up differently. Anyway, just, you know, if the foam core board doesn't work out, that's like another direction you can try and head in. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hoping this works because being able to have both two by four sections and then one by four sections uh, in my in my brain, it's it's going to work out well because I can I can do a lot more interaction uh, as far as adjustments go. Yeah, you know, I mean, or I could just do three of the two by fours or, you know, mix it up however I want. So. We'll see. Um, fingers crossed that it works out well. Uh, if not, I spent some money, but uh, because the you know I bought a big ass thing of flock and some trees to see how that goes. Model model trees are. Yeah, they are. So do you uh, do you and Bob have a, a first day plan like a, a day that you guys are aiming to have all this done for for gaming? Or are you kind of just playing it by ear right now? We're playing it by ear because neither of us wants to rush through the process. I, I was talking to him yesterday about where he is with his with his Joes, and um, he ran into a problem where the the boots that that Bolt Action uh, modeled onto the onto the uh, minis are not the right ones. 
So he went a little know. historical nuts on those and uh, was repainting them to, to match how they would have been. Yeah, so, you know, gotcha. just kind of looking at that. So that took him a step back, but he's working. So I know we're talking hobby, but I guess this, this kind of leads into the size of the game for, if you're playing Chain of Command, uh, is that it's actually a fairly small game, right? So he's painting up uh, essentially 16 infantry guys, and that's the bulk of his force. And this is why this is why twenty eight mil works, right? Oh wow! Because right. It's such a small force. Yeah, that's that's small. I mean, I did not. I mean, when you guys are telling me you're playing a World War Two game, you're like, I'm assuming that you're gonna. Yeah, have no. A, this is this is platoon. Pl- this is a platoon game. Yeah. Uh, okay. See, I did not realize that it's platoon based. So to give you an idea for for me for Germans there, so it's it's platoon size. So basically, the core of my force is three squads, and depending on how elite I want my troops depends on what I bring. So I'm actually building the least elite troop set I can at the moment, um, and that's simply because of convenience of models. So if you go from if you go from bolt action, you can get basically a box of thirty infantry guys, uh, usually thirty, basically anywhere from twenty six to thirty five dollars, depending on where you're shopping and how much you're finding them for. So about a buck a model, which is really good. Yeah, that's that's a really good uh, ratio. Hmm. Yes. Yes. So for for my three squads. Basically, each the, the core of each of my squads is a MG42 team, which is the gun, two crew, and a rifleman. Okay, the second team in the squad is six riflemen. All right, so basically, I am using 21 of my infantry models to make up all of those riflemen. So I'll have nine models left over out of that box to be able to to mix and match some other things in the squad, because I picked up the MG42 teams that bolt action makes so they're kind of on a bigger base and it's the it's the guy in the crew very cool um which is which is great actually i lied i only need 18 of the uh riflemen from the box because uh the mg42 teams come with a third guy who's running ammo but i'll use him as my rifleman from that group so and then and then on the big base the gun operator and the ammo loader are all going to be on that all right so so three sets of six guys an MG42 and a rifleman. That's the that's the core of my force, right? So each one of those each one of those uh, squads gets a gets a leader, okay? And then they also get depending on how elite the troops are, uh, they get one to two Panzerfausts in the unit. And so what's interesting about that is uh, I I talked to some people about how they represent that, and a lot of them said, well, I'll either make a base that just has like extra Panzerfaust on it and I'll remove them each time I use them. Some people said that they'll build a model that has the Panzerfaust and then when they use it, they just replace them with a guy with a regular weapon. So I haven't said, I'm, I'm likely to just, because I'll have nine extra guys, 12 extra guys, so I'm likely to just build guys carrying the Panzerfaust and uh, switch them out as I play and use them. The other thing that you get in those is, at least with my Germans, I get a Panzerschreck, which, you know, is basically a bazooka. Mm-hmm. That is that is part of the squad, and then a senior leader, uh, who's kind of the overall leader of the of the platoon. Right, and that's why it has to be platoon based, right? Because you have so much granularity between all of those different roles each person plays. But but that's the thing, though, is that it's not like 
It's not like I'm fiddling with points between that. That's what I bring. Basically, my choice is, am I bringing this type of squad with the six riflemen, or am I bringing this more elite squad where it's two machine gun teams and less riflemen? Sure. Which, which, as I said before, is based on how the German army actually worked during World War II. And I was listening to one of the guys from Two Fat Lardies talk on a, on a, on a, uh, YouTube video the other day and he's like yeah the game isn't designed to be like oh well do I want to spend my points on this machine gun or do I want to spend it somewhere else no the point is the Germans use the machine gun you're going to bring the machine gun the entire German idea of how they fought in the war was based around the MG42 and the fact that it at, a, at its rate full rate of fire it could put out you know 1200 shots per minute so that's I mean so that's you're not you're not dealing with points and, and min-maxing. It's like you, you, you take the squad that you want, and, and that's how they're set up. It's pretty cool. So there are support options that you can eventually end up taking, and what's neat about those is that it actually depends on... I mean, I guess they do use it a, a bit as far as uh, being able to balance some things, because depending on the scenario, if you're the attacker or you're the defender, you get more morale points or, or skill points. And the difference in skill points allows you to take more support choices. And that's where you end up with things like a medic, flamethrowers, panzer tanks, half tracks. So you do see a little bit of that here and there, but it's it's never like a ton of them. So you, so you do end up making some choices there. But overall, if they weren't something that you would see, uh, it won't be an option for you. That's pretty cool, man. I'm, uh, I'm not gonna lie. Pretty cool, that and I can sense, see yeah. why you got so into it. You know, it's like, like you said, it pays that real attention to detail, historical accuracy, uh, and allows you to not feel like you're just gaming it. You know, like I don't, I don't know how, how else to put it. And that's, I, I think that's exactly it. Is that it's, it's more, you know, it is just kind of paying homage. It's more simulation. Yeah. Very cool. It's like it's like watching Band of Brothers versus watching. Uh, rambo sure right i mean yeah you know yeah that makes sense now that being said do you have any other interest in any other war games or any other historical games or is this pretty much you know kind of like a one-off thing like i guess the question i'm asking is has it set your desire to try other historicals alight or are you just th- thinking this is a one-off thing for you oh well i mean i do i am on a podcast called three men in a war game where we talk about all kinds of different stuff sure uh so i feel like this is potentially a slippery slope uh i i would absolutely be 100 percent sure that since i have the bolt action models that at some point i will be playing bolt action because Some bolt action yeah. yeah it might be fun to be like oh hey look i have two different panzers on the on the board which is not something you would likely see in chain of command you know so just to be able to be like hey i have yeah i mean why not i mean you've got them you know and there's people in this area that's obviously playing that game you mean why, why the hell not well and that was one of the things that when i when i initially talked to bob about it i was like realistically you know we're picking up these 28 mils you can use them for two different games like that's a that's a that's a deal <laughs> you know what i mean it's it's like it's like deciding to play yeah. chaos or you know demons in in 40k so you can use them in six bolt action's a good game too you know like right. it, it's got a very good designer behind it uh in rick Priestley, and uh his um i think experience shows a lot in the game design um and i i think you would really enjoy it if you gave it a shot i really do yeah and well i mean i mean honestly the plan is to 
do that. Um, and I guess part of the idea as well is that, you know, chain of command, you're not necessarily going to pit the Germans against the Japanese or, you know, Americans versus the Soviets since that didn't necessarily happen. But I guess mm -hmm. bolt action gives you a little more leeway to do that. It does. Yeah. So opens up a little more of right. um, possible opponents. All right. Now, now Potter, I got to ask you, uh, how are you feeling about historical gaming in general? Mm-hmm. Or historical miniatures gaming? Uh, it's just, it's not something that I myself find interested in doing. Um, I, I've never really been interested in historical gaming. I, I don't think it's anything to do with the fact, like, where I don't think I'm anywhere near where, like, where Paul was, where, like, I felt like the games weren't paying homage or anything like that. It's just, I guess for me, like, when I go out and play war games, you know, I, I'm trying to re escape reality. And, you know, a lot of these historical games are founded on some you know, pretty bloody conflicts and as someone that is a history buff just like paul um you know it, it for me it's i'm not escaping that realism like I'm, I'm now playing something that is real like this happened so like for me going to playing wargaming it's i want to escape I, I don't want to be in the real world so i think that's where i stand on it and why i don't play historical games it's just it's just nothing that's ever really interested me that, that all being said, is there like a period in history or a thing that would interest you in it? Like, is there some is there some segment or thing like that would actually trigger you to want to try historical gaming? So the problem the problem that I have is that my area of history that I enjoyed the most was medieval Europe. So playing in the more of the fantasy realm games, I get that medieval europe feel i get that right. that so, that itch to scratch i mean i would probably say world war ii is probably and world war ii and civil war are my other two areas that i do like again both of them very bloody conflicts both of them very you know very real so it, it's i'm not sure it's like so with that that medieval era kind of stuff like fantasy gaming lets me still escape reality with kind of having Hey, this is based on historical medieval warfare. Okay, cool. I get that aspect, but I'm still escaping because I've got elves, I've got dwarves, I've got undead and things like that. That sure. allows me to escape the realism. And even at that, it's it's different than being able to pick up a picture and be like, Hey, this was just seventy years ago. Right. Exactly. So I mean, it, yeah, it, it, it's just something that's never you know tripped my trigger. But I mean, I understand why people do like. There, there are people that are out there that are way more hardcore than me um, that, you know, that is their their passion. And World War II is a big, I know is a big area, an era of history that people are very passionate about. So I, I can appreciate and understand why people do it. Um, and so it's just for me, not yeah. just for and you're, me. And that's, that's weird. Just, so you're not even not interested in like, I don't know if you're aware of Fireforge games, but they make uh, miniatures in a series called Deus Vault. Uh, and that's not even a thing you would be interested in, like playing as like the military orders or uh, that. I don't know. I've actually never, uh, never heard of that game <laughs> I'm on the Google machine right now. That's fair. I'm, I'm day. It, yeah, so like it's, God wills uh, it, right? In, in Latin. So one, one, one thing I do uh, want to point out, Chris, is as I was so going through uh, two fat lardies, uh, Rule books. They do have a Civil War rule set. I saw that. I was like, ooh. Okay. Seven, seven or eight pounds for the rule book. Okay. All right. Chopside now hates you. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I look like like this? These models, like I'm, and I'm just looking at what's scrolling on the top of the page. Like 
so far so right now like so templars are a fascination of mine like the the the, the order of templars is 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 it definitely a area where i'm i will i will say it's a, a an obsession of mine to to read about them to learn about them um, one of the reasons I played Black Templars in 40k, obviously, is from that kind of thing. Looking at these, the the Teutonic uh, Hochmeisters and the Grand, the Templar Grandmasters. Oh my, these models are fantastic. They're looking. really good. Yeah, the Military Orders and Crusader models, specifically in the Days Vault line, are really good. Sorry, man. <laughs> oh, I hate you. Um, fuck. And it, and of course, everything's in. I don't know what's what's our what's the pound to dollar ratio right now? Maybe, maybe I'm getting a better deal. Oh, and the fact that they come with alternate heads. Yeah, I had to. <gasps> that's, you should have known you were in for a trap when I asked you what it would take. You know, like I. <laughs> oh, I, I I knew I knew where that I, conversation you... <laughs> was going, and I was. Just thinking, I think. Well, the thing is, is like, and they're and the thing is, is they're historically oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, accurate yeah, yeah. on their sure. the armor that they're wearing because it's not it's not plate mail, it's it's chain mail. It's there's no barding on the horses. It's just, oh my god, no, I hate you so much. Oh, crack, 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 not Pappy sorry, at it again. Sorry. Yeah, and so for me, it's Age of Sail, right? So um, that's my like my uh, big guilty historical pleasure as age of sale and right yeah. um i've you know looked into blood and plunder but the i think the main person i would play blood and plunder with tried a demo and didn't love it so i'm not trying to waste my money getting other people interested you know it's like i'm that one weirdo that likes age of sale and i know another weirdo that likes it but he doesn't particularly like this game system so i'm out of luck for 28 mil um, but Oak and Iron and Master and Commander are both coming out respectively uh, from Firelock and Warlord games. Um, so, you know, I'll probably, well, I can't get the 28 mil man to man combat. I'll be able to get some 1 600th or 1 700th uh, ship scale games in, which I'm very much looking forward to. I found the Vikings. I'm f- and like, again, they're historically accurate. There's no stupid horns on their helmets. They've got they've got they've got swords instead of axes. Oh my god! And another thing you shouldn't definitely shouldn't research is a company called Gripping Beast. Definitely don't look at that, and definitely don't look into the game that they make called Saga. You wouldn't be interested in that at all either. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Uh, and and Saga, I can confirm, is a very fun game. It's so fun. Oh, I found the Templars. Oh my god, I hate you. And the rule uh, again, another British that I got to pound, buy them off overseas. Yeah, I mean you can get uh, Saga um, Noble Knight cells. Oh, do they? Okay, I can get them here in the states. Yep, 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 yep. Um, and Saga actually has a pretty good following in the states. If you look for Saga stuff on Facebook, um, a lot of people actually play Saga. It's in terms of historicals, it's a pretty popular system because it's uh, it's not a super granular deep 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 system i'm not saying it's it's um you know like beer and pretzels by any means um but it's also not full simulation so it's a lot more popular because it's approachable right um but again it's got those pretty historically accurate period miniatures uh and there's like a good set of terrain and everything out there for it too so and the funny thing is is now that i've i've gone into fireforge's his website a little bit more um i actually did find these guys when i was looking for bits to convert my ultramarines army for the because i they see they have uh, roman models and that's where with uh i see them on here with warlord games so i i didn't realize i knew who they were but i i did by doing through that research so all right so we've got uh paul world war ii uh 
yep. uh, Chris Crusades, Kevin Age of Sail. Uh, it sounds like maybe everybody will be picking something up. Do you think, Paul, you would ever get into anything in the uh, medieval era if uh, Chris is getting into one? I wouldn't say no. Well, there you go. I, I would. I would consider it. Uh, damn it. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, one of the, one of the other things I want to touch on, and and this is kind of the the thing, one of the things that Chris brought up when he was like flipping out about the horses and stuff. One of the nice things about these kits as I'm as I'm getting them, like the tank, the the martyr tank that I picked up. I mean, it's like a legit model kit. Yeah, when you showed the pictures of it, that that reminded me of like old school GW tank kits that they used to build, like with the Lehman Rust tanks, where they're a shit ton of parts. And that's one of the things I loved about when I got into playing GW games because they they were model kits. You didn't have yeah. instructions. You you had to figure out where stuff went. Like now, obviously, the one you had had instructions, but still, it was just. It just harkens back to the, those those days of me being a kid building model cars with my cousin at my grandparents' house, you know? Well, that, that's just it. It reminds me of me sitting in my basement building helicopters and tanks and crap like that. Um, you know, just with the complexity of the model and everything that's that's going into it. And right. That was that was exciting in and of itself just to be able to to see that, um, which was which was really exciting. Um, which I absolutely loved. The downside, though, is that it involves uh, water transfers, and those scare me a little bit. I never, I never uh, got comfortable with those as a kid, so I kind of look at some of them and think, "Oh crap! I want to put these on the model, but I'm afraid I'm going to fuck it up." Yeah, tr- transfers have always been something that is, uh, it's yeah, it's hit or miss for me. Um, I either really want to do it, or I just go down the route of like, "F it! I'm not putting anything on." Well, I mean, like, part of it is that even the infantry guys have transfers. Right. And it just kind of takes the model and puts them over the top of, like, awesomeness. But good God, infantry 20 millimeter guys with transfers for, you know, like, insignias for their lapels and, and you know, chest. That's really tiny. Right. Um, it's pretty crazy as to how tiny it is. And I'm going to send you a going to send you a picture because that makes for great radio but to give you an idea of how small these transfers are oh i'm sure they're tiny damn your thumb uh, is like bigger almost bigger than the sheet uh-huh yeah so and and if again i know this is great radio but you can see the longer uh black lines yep uh those are for the collars that's what i figured uh-huh. out oh those are their their collar their collar insignias uh-huh shit uh, so tweezers, magnifying glass, buddy. Yeah, well, the 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 colors I just painted a darker gray, so I don't know that I'm gonna go for those. Uh, maybe someday if I feel like I have experience with it, I'll probably do try out tank transfers first since they're a little bit bigger and I feel like I can work with them. Uh, maybe get a hang of it and then go back and do the infantry. Yeah, because those are scary small. Yeah, you. I mean. GW large transfers are scary. Those are, that's a nightmare. Yep. Yeah. I mean that the for for you guys out there in Radio Land, the uh, transfer sheet is about as long as my thumb. So that's like a what a two inch paper maybe. It's insane. And, yeah, and there's a, t- I mean there's probably there's probably <laughs> close to fifty transfers on that on a sheet that's the size of your thumb. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, no, it looks like there's enough collars for all 30 guys that come in the box, plus enough uh, of the eagles for their for their chest. That's insane. So, but yeah, so I mean that's that's part of the fun of uh, historical stuff. So it's kind of a, it's a bit of a different world, which is cool. Which is really cool. So, I mean, I'm 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 enjoying it. Well, that's good, man. I mean, it's it's definitely it's it's nice to find things that you know are outside of our norm to definitely talk about. Um, not not just for the show, but just in general, like you know, branching our horizons. And it, I think it's cool that you and Bob are doing it. I, I probably won't be joining you guys. Like when you and and Britt were talking about the shop a couple of weeks back and just goobing, I just I, I zoned out. Like I you glazed over. I glazed over. I was like, meh. I can see that. I mean, which is which is fair. It's well, not... and again, I can get that too when people when I start talking about medieval history and stuff like that. And those, I mean, I could see people doing the same thing because it's it's again not a it's not as of a super popular historical interest as much as more modern warfare is. But mm-hmm. something I and I guess maybe it was because of how long as a child I lived in Europe that kind of stuff always fascinated me because like, i remember when when i was married my 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 wife at the time and i we went to uh ireland for our honeymoon and we went to dunloff castle uh for our final day there or yeah our final night there we stayed in a five-star resort which is in dunloff and it's dunloff castle is an actual old castle outside of the city of shannon that's been converted into a, a hotel so, you know, that was fantastic staying in that because and you could still see like a lot of the old architecture and stuff is in there you know, that wasn't cut or up, covered up by modernization. Then, you know, we went to do the Blarney Stone as well, too. And the cool thing about the Blarney Stone is, is that you go up one of the uh, parapets up to the top of the castle and your your every floor is open. They, they don't rope anything off. And like the inner nerd in me just went crazy, and I just were going up the the, the spiral staircase. I was, I was like, I looked at my my ex wife, and I was like, I'm sorry, I gotta go. I'm this is like history. Like I would just fell in love and just went. I went floor by floor, looking at all the stuff. And like all the people are just, what the hell is that guy doing? And I'm like, screw the stone up there. I don't want to kiss that. Like this is piece of living history. It was amazing to me. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I mean, history's history's great, and I think you know it's definitely got a place in in this. I mean, that's that's whether whether you you like it or not, that's what our our hobby comes from, right? Yeah. Historical yeah, wargaming, essentially. And there's a huge amount of historical wargaming out there too. Like, I think it's underappreciated how many people enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I don't see a lot of people playing, you know, like Napoleonic era kind of stuff, but I know. When I lived in uh, D.C., we there was a huge Flames of War uh, community in the shop that we had, like to the point where like they had their own specialized shelf that was locked away for all of their terrain. Mm-hmm. And I think that was my first real exposure into historical gaming was Flames of War. You know, and then I, I've seen other things. I've heard about Bolt Action, obviously, because I think it's one of the more popular ones. Um, and a couple of you know the people I watch video uh, painting wise on YouTube, they they paint up some bolt action stuff too. So it, it's definitely a large market. You know, one of the, one of the things that I think will be interesting, Chris, is to uh, once I get settled and, and get some of this stuff painted and, and kind of learn the game, um, showing you the rule set for Chain of Command and seeing what your thoughts are on it as compared to like other modern war games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just and just seeing that because that was really what between being in the middle of you know watching band of brothers which is awesome and yeah it's fantastic uh, but, show. yeah but then but then looking at from a design perspective what they're doing in chain of command and how absolutely brilliant the rule set is 
uh, to the point where people have converted it to be usable with 40k. Oh, that's interesting. Just because, and, and maybe this is something for another episode as I, as I get playing, we can talk about it, but the beginning phase of the game where you're deciding where your deployments are makes 40k kind of interesting as well because you can take it and you like i said before you miss that turn of okay i'm on my side of the table you're on your side of the table let's move up our six inches and then you know turn two the game and then we'll start we'll start start shooting at each other turn two right the idea the idea being that chain of command the game is starting at first point of contact no that sounds good i mean it again is more realistic to how battles were fought then right exactly and that's and that's just it like like really your 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 first turn is essentially your scouts deciding you know where the enemy is and where it's safe to start you know attacking the town or or whatever your objective is right so at some point at some point i want to at least show you that and see what your thoughts are on that as far as uh design of the game goes you know regardless of uh whether it's historical or 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 not right no no no. i i definitely would be interested in 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 taking a look and listening about it i mean i mean i'm interested in you know kind of you know as we go with episodes in the future just like your story and your 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 journey into playing this game same yeah same 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 well and that and that's and that's kind of where i i thought it would be interesting to take it is to take that that progress as far as you know even just going from painting down to eventually playing and trying out some of these different things because there's i mean there's all kinds of campaign booklets that they've done some of them some of them they have on their uh, the two fat lardies have on their website for free some of them they call them pint size campaigns because they they're basically the price of a pint (laughs) um you know so they're like three or four bucks a pop and that's pretty clever yeah exactly exactly those guys are smart you know so so you end up with you know being able to recreate operation market garden and they have different stuff for early war and mid-war and late war right. yeah yeah i mean they're they're focused more on on europe than say uh, uh pacific yeah the pacific or africa well, um, makes again makes sense like you know as them being brits that's where the majority yep. of their army you know historically i believe they did do a supplement for africa uh for north africa uh which is which is cool Right, because that was a pretty big theater. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. But it, w- it would be neat to see some of that. And, and I'd have to look. I'd have to look at everything and see if they've put out anything Japan ver- you know, versus America and, and see what's out there for that, because that would be fascinating to play, I think, too. Uh, well, I mean, I think if, if... I don't know how popular Chain of Command is as a game, um, but maybe if it's a popularity thing and, not, and they're not getting the sales for it, if it grows on popularity, maybe they'll expand in some more of those American theaters. Yeah, maybe. I yeah. I, I I mean, I don't know. I mean, they seem to be doing okay. They put out they put out a few different things because uh, they do have the the major the the core rules, if you will. Uh, but then they also put out a whole thing for early war. You know, they they called it Blitzkrieg or whatever. Right. You know, so they have the two major expansions and then you know a bunch of pint sized campaigns and some free army lists. You know, for different squads and stuff like that. So. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it's out there. And then they have one called Big Chain of Command as well, uh, which is interesting because it's not necessarily... It, it's to play bigger games, but not one-on-one. So the idea is that you're bringing different platoons, and each person is kind of in charge of their own platoon, and one one of the players kind of gets veto rights over strategy. So they're kind of the, the head in charge of, of the platoon's 
you know, so it's yeah, so it's so, so it seems to be uh, fairly interesting. It's definitely not there yet to be playing multiple players, but it might be something that happens if it if if we have all the players that that I've seen have interest in the area. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Britt's got a couple of friends that he's been playing with, so I mean, it would be interesting for you guys to group up with them, see what you can get going. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, so so it's a uh, it's it looks like it could go somewhere interesting and. Again, right off the bat, just to be able to build your basic platoon uh, fairly inexpensive. You know, the the core of it, you just need an infantry box, and like I said, anywhere from twenty five to thirty five bucks, depending right. on what kind of deal you can find. I mean, that, again, that's a good barrier for entry on it as well, too. I mean, if it's something you want to maybe just experiment with, you know, you're not out a ton of money if you buy one box. Yep, and I mean, I think honestly, uh, with the with the box of infantry i think i could have bought i could have built three machine gun teams and probably uh my junior officers out of it as well uh which would have basically been everything except for a senior officer and uh the bazooka the panzer shrek gotcha so i mean so realistically you're looking at maybe 50 bucks that's not bad i mean i mean again with it being a platoon sized game you know you're not going to need much more than that outside of you wanting to expand and try things differently in different games Right, exactly, and then you know, and and having some of the supports and the way the supports work as we get, as we get more into this historical journey, we'll talk about it. But um, I mean, you can have everything from like minefields to tiger tanks, and so it's so it's kind of interesting to see that that variety. So you might get more out of getting three or four minefields or barbed wire sections than you would a tiger tank, depending on what you're trying to do. Oh, so you can spend points on getting like. Uh, encampments and stuff like that, like barbed wire, like you were yeah. talking. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, your your supports are are so. All right. This is further in the weeds than I'd want it to get, but um, <laughs> for your support, you have you have different levels of support, and it's basically like from one to eleven, and depending on what your support difference is on your your uh, scenario and the strength of your force. So say you have a difference of six support points, you can pick something from the category that's six or you can pick two threes you can pick six ones so there's a lot of variety and like the the simpler ones are things like a medic barbed wire uh entrenchments for a team you know so your guys can be a little better defended in cover uh so it's so it's all so it's some of it's really simple stuff like that and and again like i said like your your category 11 is something more like a tiger tank hmm interesting way to doing it yeah so so it gives you some of that variety it gives you that chance to to kind of flesh out your force a little bit but again it's more realistic the heart of it is that platoon very cool yeah so it's it's my current excitement and i think i've rambled a whole lot about it apparently <laughs> no no i know how chops feels every week <laughs> <laughs> yeah man I'm, uh, I was exciting to, to sit on this side of it, though, and listen. It made me, I mean, I spent a little bit of time looking at bolt-action miniatures on the internet. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know that I fully addressed your, your question before, uh, or at least not specifically about other miniatures, but I was freaking out in the car for a few minutes because there's a uh, black powder set that bolt-action has that's a revolutionary war starter. Oh yeah, and also they have pike and shot, dude. There's a whole bunch of. Uh, I mean, once you head down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Luckily, a lot of those army starters are expensive. I got real excited about the the Revolutionary War one, and then I saw the price tag on it, and I was like, oh, mm. yeah. yeah. 
I don't I don't want to dump three hundred ten bucks for. Ooh. <laughs> if you go and look at the amount of stuff it's, in it, it's uh, it's 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 something, man. Yeah, it's something. It's a it's a it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Ton of models, huh? So. Oh my god. Yeah, it was it was like one of those things where it's like, oh, that is a beautiful collection of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a, it's like a year's hobby project, right, Paul? The, the, if it's the set I'm thinking of, like yeah. you, you, yeah. you would you would commit to it. I mean, it's like it's a, it's a commitment to to get into that. But I mean, it's like I guess everything you need to play Revolutionary War battles with some terrain and stuff like that. So, but it was pretty to look at. <laughs> so, but that's uh. That's my uh, beginning in historical. So stay so, tuned for more of this. Yeah, adventure after for me. A, after a long wargaming career where historicals were the furthest thing from the menu, it's pretty cool to to see it finally on. Just because like I've always been semi interested, um, and I think I still have room in my diet for one. It's just like picking the one, right? And for now, I think it's going to be just age of sale and ship scale stuff. But one day, maybe it'll be a twenty eight mil uh, or fifteen mil or six mil historical in my future i'll tell you what i'm gonna go onto the chain of command facebook page and find out who's playing in madison and uh, hook you up with them no you know what you probably deserve it though chops i do and 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 honestly with your with your uh, fascination with game design i think this would be right up your alley anyway just because of how it functions so differently yeah yeah that's probably accurate so to celebrate my talking a lot tonight i'm gonna let you one of you take us out all right so final thoughts for me uh i'm just gonna just say uh historical gaming if it's not a thing you've thought about trying in the past give it a good look Uh, if you're on the discord spark up a conversation about it uh, and we'll chat and that's my way of plugging our discord (laughs) if you'd like to join and you heard this episode there'll be a link to join the discord in the description also, big thank you to our patrons. Uh, you guys keep us going, especially on nights we don't feel like recording. <laughs> yeah, which I feel like has happened a bit uh, lately. Uh, thank you to uh, Static as a City uh, for your excellent intro and outro music. And uh, if you want to find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those places, uh, Three Men in a Ward Game, the word, not the letter. So spell it out, Three Men in a Ward Game. You can find us on all of those social media platforms. Uh, and until next time. Oh, wait, wait, one second, one second, Kevin. Oh, oh, oh. You gave your final thought, but you didn't ask oh. Chris his final thought. Chris, your final thought? Uh, I'm interested to see where this goes. Uh, I also hate you for finding Templar models for me to potentially buy, and, uh, and yeah, I hate you. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Bye!